0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. And today I have with me my friend Tasha Fishman. Tasha um, is a advocate for unschooling. Mm -hmm. She had a great awakening over the last two years and took her kids out of school and is embarking on a, a brand new path in regards to not only education, but mothering. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks, Tasha, for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Carla. Tasha, so this is newish to you. This is not something Mm -hmm. that you've been doing your whole life. Your kids used to be in school. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the Great Awakening, the reason that you pulled them out of school in the first place? Uh,
1: Maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I would describe myself prior to 2020 as the you know, quintessential matrix mom that, you know, put her kids on the bus every morning, got them from school, ran around to all their activities, you know, outsourcing them to other people to teach them all sorts of things. And um, just really on the treadmill of life, never did I question uh, the curriculum or what was going on. If my kids seemed happy, even if they weren't happy, it was like, no, you got to go get on the bus. So um, typical mom in the neighborhoods that I, you know, lived in. And, and I thought that's what I did. They've been depressed private school they've been to public school and i had a spiritual awakening i would say around may 2020 just with the whole pandemic and and how it unfolded and it led me to research and so how i started was i just i knew that there was going to be hysteria come the fall And it wasn't hysteria. I wasn't hysterical. I knew what this virus, I could see the plan. I I understood really clearly um, through that spiritual kind of initiation, like why I was on this planet and what this was all about. And it was very difficult. But at the same time, I saw the threat immediately with the schools. And I thought, I'm not having my kids, um, you know, with teachers masking, yelling at them to stand six feet apart um, hand sanitizing them to death. Like there's not a chance they're going to be in that environment, but, um, I could never imagine myself as a homeschooling mom, but because of the threat, it was just an easy decision. I didn't know how I just knew it wasn't going to be that. So I convinced my husband to let me try homeschooling for a year. And over the summer, I was super excited about it. I was collecting at the teacher's stores, you know, all the charts and all the books and the curriculum. This is going to be so great. And I got it all together because this was kind of, it wasn't, remember, it wasn't 2021 when people were radically pulling their kids out of school. This was still 2020. So people were, you know, this was, I was on my own, really. I didn't know anybody else that was feeling the same way. Um, In my area, anyway, in my neighborhood, in my circle of friends. So, you know, fast forward to the fall of 2020. And I moved the kids out to our cabin. And I was like, this is going to be great from nine to 12. We're going to sit at the table. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to do all these books and they're going to love their teacher because it's me and it's going to be so great. And it wasn't, it was like a hard crash. And, you know, by day three, I was literally like yelling and I was trying to coerce them and I was bribing them to get the stuff done. And I was pulling my hair out and so were they. And I was like, my God, I felt like such a failure. And I thought, how am I going to do this for the next year? And luckily I believe in, you know, all things serendipitous. I was um, watching a video with Dr. Kelly Brogan, who's a holistic uh, psychiatrist who was on the dirty dozen of Biden's disinformation campaign, the 12 that (laughs) you're not supposed to follow. So really you should be following. Anyway, she had a friend named Dana Martin and Dana Martin um, was the founder of Radical Unschooling In the states, and she she's been around for about twenty years, and she's been on Dr. Phil and all these shows. And she was interviewing her on a podcast just like this. And the first thing I saw was they were talking, and the first thing she said was, "Um, "Listen, you know, if um, one of my kids come down, I'll just have to pause for a minute and tend to their needs, and I'll be back." And I was like, "What?" What do you mean? I'd spent three months at home with the kids in 2020, trying to do their curriculum, trying to work and being like, shh, quiet, you know, hiding in the office, like doing all the things. I never even knew that was an option to like actually say to the person or the call that I'm on, listen, if my kids come down, I'll have to stop and then I'll get back to you, right? So it was just like this radical, um, experience which sounds so silly now especially where i'm standing now but that's where my mindset was then just to give you an idea like uh, i remember there was memes all over facebook saying You know, when, when we were all home with the kids, like, and people were trying to work from home saying like, you know, unless it's on fire, don't bug me, you know, like, like, you know, post-its on their office doors. So this was just so radical. And I just said, oh my gosh, I just want more of that. What is that? And she talked about unschooling. Never heard of it before, didn't know it was legal, didn't know it existed. And I just wanted more. And then from there, I just dove right in. I connected with Dana. She became my mentor. I did a year and a half course. I'm still working with her. I, you know, bought every program, you know, researched to the nines and realized that there's actually a way that you can have your children home with you and live harmoniously together and not have that pressure and not have. What they told me, I have to have. So even when you leave school, people don't want you to leave school, even the way the handbooks are written for the happy homeschooler and um from the government. The wording is such that it's going to be difficult. The wording is almost like, what do your will your neighbors and family think? Is this really a good decision for you? Because think about it. It's a billion dollar industry. If everybody pulled their kids out, it, it's the end of an industry, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, pharmaceuticals, right? Just like big pharma, big tech. So they don't want us to disengage with them. So they're going to do everything they can to make you think that you don't have a choice or that it's impossible or that it's going to be too hard or you're just not fit for that. That's but right. Really... And you
0: had um, tried it the other way first, right? Because at the beginning of the pandemic, you tried working from home, doing your regular work, yeah. the kids, tried doing their regular schooling at home yeah um and at that point too you you weren't ready to jump ship in the beginning you you gave it a good whole try like the the matrix way yep Um, you maybe saw this thing as a threat and were all on
1: board with everything there there was a shift there there was a shift so like like everyone else it was just chaos at home right you've got I have three kids, three different curriculums. They're online. I've got them in three different rooms. Plus I'm on a headset dealing with my customers and work um, with our family business. So, you know, it was insane, but that's not in a natural way either. And that's why everybody shoved their kids back on the bus come, you know, September 1st, because they couldn't believe that they even survived what we did. What we all should have done was ended school and spent time with our families and turned off our TVs. But little did we know back then, right? So, um, yeah, I did try it the, the way that they said, like, and, and what I, the first thing I was amazed about was when I was trying it the matrix way, let's say homeschooling, they said to me, cause my kids at the time are in grade one and grade four, they said the grade one only needs maybe half an hour, 45 minutes of sit down and the grade four needs maybe an hour and a half. So I was already trying to outdo it by sitting down from you know, nine to 12 and we we're going to do so much great stuff, but the fact that they said that kind of, you know, highlighted for me that, well, what are they doing all day? What what do you you mean you only have to sit down and do that amount of work? Like I literally was prepared to be all day, like doing work, you know what I mean? And it dawned on me, of course, and further investigating that most of their time is spent waiting, right? Waiting for direction. It's a very passive experience school. And we can, Think about that in our own experience you're waiting to put your hand up to ask the teacher a question you're waiting in line to get your shoes to go to recess you're waiting in line to go to get your drink of water to go to lunch to wait for the bell to go to the thing i mean to wait for the bus to be outside it's just a lot of waiting um so that was a huge epiphany but ultimately we have all been natural unschooling parents if you have a child we are naturally unschooling parents. We did it from 0 to 5. And we just have been taught and conditioned that by that age, we don't have the credentials anymore, the wisdom or the discernment to continue on. It's just a continuation of attachment parenting. That's what unschooling is. It's living living harmoniously in the pursuit of your passions as a family and the education piece is just a byproduct. Learning, you know, learning is something that we do as humans all the time. We want to learn. It's innate within us. And it's taken me a couple of years now to really realize that that natural creative ability to learn is actually squashed and squandered in a school setting. And that is on purpose.
0: And time with our parents. I I live in Ontario and the schooling system is a little different. Um, I used to go back and forth between BC and Ontario, and when my girls were really, really little, I hung out with a ton of other moms and we would go ski touring with our babies. We would go on these epic camping trips with our little kids. We would do swaps if we needed time off to do like an exercise or something. All the kids would go to one mom's house and and we would swap. And then when we moved to Ontario, uh, everyone's really young kids ended up in daycare, preschool and then we have junior kindergarten. So at 4 years old they were going to school full time, which is it, it's astounding to me because I remember being in kindergarten and we went half days like a mm-hmm. couple times a week and then I was just with my mom mm-hmm. and in Ontario, the, the practical reason why they did that is so many uh, couples are are both working, both, both parents are working, so many kids were in daycare. So the government said like, hey, well, we'll just make this free then, which for those families, practically for money, I can see that being a good decision. But when I didn't put my girls in junior kindergarten, i got a lot of kickback well why aren't they in junior kindergarten well they're going to be with me i'm i'm at home they can be with me and then when my oldest was in kindergarten we actually took her out of school completely and we traveled the world together and again people were like i i can't believe you did that yeah Uh, that's going to impact her education and in kindergarten Sure, they do some basic learning, but it's it's painting and socialization. I mean, my daughter learned another language, and she got to travel and learn about the ocean and all kinds of animals and currency. And um, for for our family, that was just a, a much better education
1: than what you could have gotten in school anyways. Yeah, no, 100%. But I think um, when you start really researching and looking into who started and funded compulsory schooling, how it started in the late 1800s, uh, what were the conditions around it. And you see the same savory characters that are still running the planet today, the same ruling elite families um, now hiding behind corporations, but the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, you know, and um, there's a really great book called Weapons of Mass Instruction, by John Taylor Gatto, and he was in the school system for 30 years. He was like won the prizes for being the best teacher in the New York State. But he comes out basically saying that school is designed to crush the creativity and imagination of the child. Bar none. And his deep dive into the history it's astounding. So it's never a good idea. Uh, junior kindergarten. All of this has been by design, all of it, even. Families and single moms and stuff. Like there has been an attack on the nuclear family for decades and decades, if not a century. And this was always part of the plan is to get to the kids. So there is um, a dark darkness, an evil, whatever you want to call it, that is running and orchestrating all of our systems, all of them, including school. And I'm not saying that you know. Mrs. Crab Apple down the street is a bad lady, or all the teachers and principals are corrupt. That's not what I'm saying at all. But they are they are adherent to the system. And the system has been created with a certain intention by a certain group of people to do something a certain way with the masses. So when you wake up to that, it's revolutionary and it's life-changing for your soul, but also your family because. The systems that I grew up with that I never questioned, that I just trusted, um, no longer exist for us. So we had to create something completely new and come to find out that unparenting or unschooling and just being with your children all the time and meeting their needs and learning what kind of learners they are and facilitating those passions and interests they have is how it was always intended to be. That is the most natural way to learn. That is the way we all want to be respected and want the freedom to be able to learn. And you start really comparing it to what we've been through going through the system. And it's horrible. I mean, you think about everything is surrounded by standardization of testing, of poking and prodding to see what a kid knows at a certain time. We group them into, um, you know, by date of manufacture in these boxes, in these buildings all day long. And we never question what they're learning mm. and what the intention is and are there agendas and what kind of person are they going to develop and be? Cause I always describe unschooling. Like it's the more, it's the unfolding of who they were meant to be. That's what it is. They're around mm. their loved ones, their family, they're learning, you're helping them facilitate and unfold who they were meant to be where compulsory school is the government molding who they want them to be. And That's right. you're seeing that on a massive scale right now. Like mm-hmm. everything that we're witnessing right now in our world stems back from, you know, childhood, you know, everyone just, what do you learn? You learn to not question authority, listen to your teacher, don't talk to your neighbor, do as you're told. And if you don't, you'll be punished. Well, mm-hmm we're going to have to change all that to have a different outcome than what we're seeing right now on a massive world scale. Well, and I'm interested
0: in this conversation now uh, because it's, it wasn't really something that I questioned. Like I knew that I didn't want my kids like going to school earlier than they absolutely had to. Um, and and maybe like yourself in the beginning of of the pandemic, I went along with everything. I followed all the rules. I was a little slow to waking up But then when I understood very clearly that I was being lied to about many, many things, then you go down the rabbit hole like, okay, well, if I'm being lied to about some significant things around this pandemic, what else am I being lied to? Mm -hmm. And when you start to see, again, the systems, not the teachers, not the principals, they're just nice, regular people wanting to help our kids. Um, when you understand what's happening with the systems, uh, it's the same with medicine. Like my doctors are really good people that care about me. I don't doubt that for a second. Mm-hmm. But when I see like the system set up, like my doctor, for example, uh, couldn't believe that I was questioning the the juice. I'll just say the juice mm-hmm. so I don't get censored. And what I told him was like, I trust you, but I know that you got emails sent to you saying that if you say anything other than praise for this, you will lose your license. So under this system, I can never trust the guidance because who wants to lose their medical license? So understanding like the bigger picture, um, it it, it does make me very distrustful and and it's unfortunate. Um, And it's never been more clear to me now with school because of the certain things that they're being taught. We're going beyond mathematics and and reading and writing. My daughter is 13 years old and she's coming home every day to tell me you know how many how many kids are bisexual now and how many kids are have changed their gender and these things absolutely exist and um I I love the the gay community and it's nothing to do with that but 40% of your grade are not this. There is no way. So these things are being taught in school. Very specific leftist ideologies are being taught in school. And that can't be ignored. Like a what a way to stay in power. Mm-hmm. Mandate leftist ideology in school so kids come out of school leftist. And when I say leftist, I don't mean liberal. Yeah. Liberal is very different than leftist. Leftist is very specific, very damaging. And that's what we're seeing and it's not helpful and it's scary. And, you know, my kids are still in school, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about pulling them
1: now. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, you're think, talking about the left woke, uh, you know, uh, Marxist ideology that's been, yeah. You know, um, incessant and kind of weeding its way through all of our, these systems on purpose. And just to go back to your point about, um, you know, the teachers being good. And these doctors are nice people. Um, you know, um, you know, Karen Susie crab apple teacher, you can bet though, that she's not going to leave her job where she's getting paid, you know, 60 to $110,000 a year. Uh, she'll never get paid that anywhere else. She knows that anybody who is, is staying currently after this last two and a half years in these systems, whether it be medical, whether it be, um, you know, schools, are going to teach the children whatever they're told to teach. Like Mm -hmm. literally, I keep saying Rome is on fire, but most of its inhabitants are unaware. Like these systems are burning right now. People should be running from them. We are going to get to a point where people no longer trust teachers, doctors, politicians, media reps. It's already happening. It's, It's going to happen on a global scale at some point, whenever the tides completely turn. And nor should they. I mean, a teacher is supposed to be a beacon of light, a beacon of knowledge, mm-hmm. and they're masking our children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hand sanitizing our children, not questioning anyone or the narrative. And the ones who have have left on stress leave, or they, they're gone, or they're, they've taken another profession, or they were kicked out because they didn't get beat, you know. Um, but, and if you're a teacher and you're listening to this right now, and that you find that offensive, well... Leave, leave the system, start something else. If you're really good at what you do, you'll be able to create something and people will follow because under the current regime and the current system and how it's been built, it needs to burn and to the ground as far as I'm concerned. And well, it, with doctors, I mean, yeah. you can have a nice person. That's great. So you're looking out, you're, you've forgotten your oath of do no harm. And after two and a half years, if you're still touting the narrative of this vaccine, your days are numbered. Mm -hmm. What was really terrifying to
0: me uh,
1: about the teachers
0: was when the threat of mandatory Vs in school was happening, I started sending emails very well thought out, very polite, not crazy, very polite, just facts, asking them like, can you show me the evidence that you're looking at so that I can see where you're coming from, like very polite things and just a refusal to engage teachers Mm -hmm. principals school board members nothing the same um, if i'm like ask questions about uh, the gender issues that have been taught in school or the anti-racism trainings that are happening in school again just questions trying to stimulate conversation you guys have my kids i'm concerned can we talk about this blank not a refusal to engage Mm -hmm. and what happened with like the mandates is well then we started taking legal action well if you won't have a polite conversation you give us no choice now we're backed in a corner and we're scared so now it's legal action and it's so unfortunate that we have to even go that route when we could have just had
1: a conversation it could have just been that but it can't because they're all under gag orders the doctors as well so they have a spiritual battle going on within themselves, whether they're aware of it or not, that they are living like an incongruent life with the divine. Like, you know, um, the fact that you, you know, during the pandemic, they locked the, the, the doors of the school and you have to, you have to make an appointment to come in. Like you have to get permission to go in and see your kid that was going on all across this country. Like you couldn't even in preschools and little ones, you couldn't just go into the school and take your kid out. That is alarming. That is an alarming test pilot of what they want to come. They want your kids. They want to separate you from their kids. And they want you to believe that you don't have the power, discernment, or wisdom to know what's best for them. And that's what we're seeing right now with government intervening and all of this trans agenda that's happening. And it is an agenda. And I will make the disclaimer that, of course, I love my gay friends. And I have met a few trans people. And it's not that I'm against. You want to do what you want to do as an adult? No problem. You do what you want to do as an adult. I don't really care. I really don't. Mm. But this is about our kids and this is about the seeds that they're planting and about the rights that they're, they're, they're taking away little by little with parents. Mm. The fact that, you know, um, they're promoting this, they're teaching this so young, like my kids are, you know, nine and 11 now and 19, mm. my nine and 11 year old, they don't know what that is. They don't need to know. And I know best when they need to know about you know, th- we talk about openly about sex, sexuality. Yes, no problem. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about uh, gender dysphoria. There's lots of dysphoria as I could get into them. My background is in behavioral psychology. I can pull out the DMS and we can talk about all sorts of mental disorders. I'm not going to, why, why we're not there in their life yet. We don't need to know about that stuff. We, you know, practice acceptance for all, but that's not something that that we need to get into. And The idea that the fact, when you go back and you say mandatory vaccines, let's just think about this. In Ontario, they were coercing children with ice cream without their parents' permission Mm -hmm. to get this vaccine, this experimental toxic death killer, as we know now, just look at the VARES report for anybody (laughs) who needs to know. And that's our government. Those were our schools. And nobody stood up except for, you know, the 20 or 30 moms and dad protesters that those weren't even their kids outside the police line in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Like those are the people that are in charge of protecting our children. Mm -hmm. They have dropped the ball. Like to me, there's, there's no point. Mm -hmm. Once you've been lied to, to this extent, How can you trust what they're even teaching? Let's not even talk about current stuff like the transgender and the, you know, hundred pronouns that they have to do. Let's talk about history. Mm -hmm. Like, do you really believe what's in their history books? I don't even know if I believe what's in their science books. I mean, basic stuff, sure. Basic math, all stuff that we can do at home, all stuff that we can do with like-minded community. Like, what do I really need to learn? What, What, you know?
0: Well, what's interesting about history is a lot of the things that are being taught we think are new. We think that they're new and they're coming up. And what's interesting about what's being taught right now in terms of sexuality is this is something from Marx. When someone sent me the James Lindsay work on on Marxism and he talks about the history of Marxism the goals of marxism with a very clear goal of deconstructing the nuclear family and separating children from adults removing childhood innocence so childhood innocence was a problem and back then marx used the tool of early childhood sexualization Mm -hmm. to Disrupt and dismantle the child because the goal in Marxism is to disrupt and dismantle. And it's not this beautiful utopia. We'll, we're dismantling the patriarchy to create this beautiful society. No, you're dismantling a child's psyche, you're dismantling the nuclear family. And when I heard that for the first time, Everything got painted so, so clear. This is disruptive. And we're seeing this in real time. I, I could see if we were putting in these policies and things were getting better. Children are in a very, very bad place right now. And adults can make whatever decisions that they want, whatever decisions they want. And, and people get really heated over this topic. However, we should all be able to agree that my young children don't need sexual re- liberation. They don't need to be sexually liberated from anything. They should be innocent,
1: innocent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like all of these movements like Black Lives Matter and the Indigenous movement. Of course, there's pain and real issues and healing that needs to be done in these groups and with humanity at large. But the same ruling class elite families who have run this COVID con are the same ones who infiltrate these organizations, fund money, and they use it to manufacture division amongst us? Like we don't need to be fighting about this. I have some friends. Well, they were friends, and who are, um, who are gay, and who really don't like my stance on this. They don't have children in school right now. And they, because they married a trans person, have this idea that there are a ton of trans kids everywhere just committing suicide all over the schools. And that's what it is. And we need to do this. And they need these life-saving puberty blockers and drugs. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're talking about 0.0.0001% of the population. And now we've changed every bathroom in the entire North America to have men thinking and feeling their women with our little girls in the same bathroom. We're we're changing funding. We're changing laws for Mm -hmm. for parents can't even, we're changing the way the the, the mental health act and how counselors and psychologists are allowed to counsel people who might be looking for some help Mm -hmm. and trying to understand why they feel this. You know, gender dysmorphia was considered, is considered a mental health issue, right? I mean, it is. It comes from people with trauma. I'm not saying that there's not the odd person that really feels trapped in their body, right? But look at what's going on already in the span of a year or two. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, gender dysphoria is—it's—it's it's real, absolutely. I—I've I, known trans people as well growing up, um, and also they—they they weren't doing so well mentally for a variety of reasons. So, being the devil's advocate, I can see, okay, well, there this condition exists, and these kids are suffering, and we want to make them feel safe um, in their school spaces, and I can understand that. What I worry about is by normalizing a very unique condition, we are also encouraging this condition. And the, the two trans people that I have known are, are now dead. One committed suicide and, and one had an overdose and was prostituting. And to say that there's no issues with this lifestyle, um and and to heavily promote it to the children is is worrisome now if we know someone that's trans or it's our job just to love them it's our job just to love them and not judge them and not treat them any differently but telling very very young children that if they're upset or if they crave to dress a certain way or like certain things that this is probably what they need to do and again there's that lying element there's a big lying element and it's coming uh out more and more where we're being told well you can just give them hormone blockers and it's totally reversible don't worry about it Mm -hmm. they're not reversible it causes permanent damage we're seeing and and here's the thing it say they are trans too early of an intervention can prevent them from having orgasms as adults It can give them osteoporosis there's so many, um, harms from these (laughs) medicines that we're not hearing about. We're just like, Oh, not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. And that's the thing. I, I think we should love trans people and make them feel welcome, but to negate or lie about the fact that there are issues giving children
1: these interventions. I have, that's what I have a huge problem with. Well, um, of course, we should love them. We should love everybody. And we should teach tolerance to all races and all genders and different ideas. And and, and that's fine. But um, that's not what this is about. Because again, these groups get hijacked by the same ruling elite classes, they get hijacked, BLM got hijacked, you know, um, uh, LGBTQ, it's been hijacked. The pride parades have been hijacked and turned into these over-sexualized events that they want to p- promote to young children and you know, it, gag balls in their mouth, and you know, um, you know, their chaps with their ass cut out. Like these are, you know, it's it's been hijacked. The intention was good, the idea was good. And then it grows and morphs into something else because the people that rule us want to keep us divided. Of course, we should love and accept trans- transgender people. That's not what this is about, though. You can't tell me that all of a sudden we have this many men in women's sports taking over and winning all these medals all across the world and that this just happened. This has also been manufactured. All you have to do is start using your common sense and discernment. Look at the look at the documentary, What is a Woman? It's been taken out, censored. You can't even find it on Bitchute and Odyssey, which I thought were pretty open, um, truthful platforms that I use. There, You can't even get it on that anymore. What is a woman is just a documentary showing the other side of exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. showing the other side of actually people who have done the transitioning and have had nothing but problems with the puberty blockers or the um, the surgery itself and are warning parents about what's not being talked about. This is the same playbook from the vaccine. It's the same playbook, right? I mean, anything that's being censored is exactly what you need to know. So I don't really even want to get into it with people like I don't I just this is where I stand and I'm not going to be gaslit about it and I'm not saying there's not trans people and they need help but that's not what this is and um, our kids are in danger they are trying to create a new generation of confused Mm -hmm. divided um, and misled children because you're easier to control if you don't know who you are Mm -hmm. and you know kids You know, school is tough for me. I'm sure it was for you. Like school's not an easy place. It never was. And so when you're starting to see the rate at which kids are wanting to transition and there's coming out parties at school now and, um, you know, all of the curriculum, you start looking at the books like Johnny wears a dress and it's all good. And, you know, When you realize and do enough research and realize that there's also been an attack on men over the past 30 years, you just Mm -hmm. look at the sitcoms and they've made these pacified the men, you know, my mentor, not my unschooling mentor, but my other coach always says that um, evil is always after the children. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so you don't have to look far. You just have to go around the children and see what's going on. And so pacify the men, right? um, masculate the women, get them out working. So they give their children over to government facilities and free daycare. Listen, that's another thing. Anything that's free is not a good idea. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's, that's the trap, right? Anything that your government is giving you for free, whether it's mercury fillings, whether it's free daycare, free public schooling, free vaccines, it's a trap. It needs to be investigated and scrutinized
0: i mean it, it's amazing like i I understand how parents some parents both need to be working but the majority of the people that i just know personally that have like two kids in daycare um and i, I look at the bills of what their daycare is if, if it's not funded after you pay for daycare you're going back to to work for 20 30 grand a year like is that really worth it to give them up to the systems um you and I were talking previously to talking about like history and, and where these things come from and you were alluding to uh some of some of the gender queer theory that's being taught in school and who created it. Um and and people really aren't aware of of who this person is.
1: Oh, are you talking about the SOGI curriculum? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware back in 2015. So the, um, Ontario deputy minister for Kathleen Wynne, his name is, um, uh, Ben at Ben I think it's me. I have to get the right name down, but anyway, he's, you can look him up because he was actually in the Toronto star. And this is like me going back and doing research. He was the one that introduced the SOGI curriculum And obviously he didn't create it himself. I'm sure the ruling elite people behind him and the shadow government said, you're going to present this and it's going to go across um, our nation to our schools. He is in jail right now because he um, disclosed that he under court has said that he's had sexual uh, interactions with all three of his daughters and fantasized about having sex with his grandchildren who were infants at the time. This man is as pictures with him and Kathleen Wynne and Trudeau at the Pride Parade 2015 before he was under oath. This is the same court case where psychologists came out and said that this curriculum is exactly what groomers would use, pedophiles would use to groom Hmm. the same type of stuff, showing really young, really early, inappropriate things, talking about things too young to the child, all of this stuff. So why was that not everywhere? Like, why why is uh, Johnny Depp's marriage more important than that piece of information? Why didn't I know that? These are the people in our government and in our school systems who are making decisions for our children. These degenerates, these people, and I don't know. I don't know why that wasn't plastered everywhere, but I did start looking back again around that same year. And at the same time. There's articles like in the Toronto Sun of like, is pedophilia a, a sexual orientation? Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Like this, da you can see
1: it. where we're going. Yeah. And so we can sit here and you can squabble with people about the semantics of this and that and that. No, take your individual thoughts and feelings out of this and your own trauma and look above to see who's puppeteering this show. Mm
0: hmm. That's right. I mean, like maybe pronouns aren't a big deal, but when you're seeing what's happening in the United States where you have parents taking their kids to drag strip shows, there, there are more and more videos coming out. And again, it's sexualizing kids. No one would think it's okay to bring your kids to uh, like a, a female strip bar. Any, like, it's just not, it's not about being anti trans or anti queer. It's why are your children in a strip club? putting dollar bills in someone's G string. It's so inappropriate. So yeah, you're seeing all the things that I'm seeing, like the inefficient use of time, uh, authoritarian culture, inappropriate Mm -hmm. sexualization of children. Um, It obviously it was very clear that you need to pull your kids out of school and that this is a safer environment. Now, there's a lot of parents maybe listening to this and hearing this and thinking like, wow, like I don't really want them in school either, but that's just what we need to do. And they just need to be with their friends and my kids won't want to be at home with me. Like I think of my, could probably be my nine-year-old home, my 13 year old would really fight me. Um, what would you say to those parents that, May have to fight so, their kids.
1: You know, every everyone has a different threshold of what they perceive as a threat, right? So I think in the coming months and the coming years, um, there's going to people are going to see it more clearly. And then that makes the decision easier because when you're talking to your kids, and obviously, you know, it's a discussion, even you know, if your kid wants to go to school and it's it's to you so too dangerous because of whatever. Your threshold is, you know, have those conversations with your kid. If you speak from your heart and you're really open with your kids, they're going to understand, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to understand when you come to that place and say, these are the reasons why. And I know what, and, and find out what their fears are about leaving. And, you know, usually it just surrounds around friendship, right? And so, you know, I, I would say like, how much do you actually spend time with them? You're in class all day. Your lunch is only half an hour. Now you're doing this. Like you can have play dates after school. We'll make sure you'll probably see them more. Cause you'll have more time. You get to sleep in. We're going to do this. Like there's, there's ways around it. I mean, each, you know, you probably need some coaching to be honest. <laughs> I needed a mentor for sure. And, um, you know, my kids were young enough that, um, They were, they were fine with it. I kind of got them before they developed those deep, deep friendships, but all of their friends from school that are still in school, we see them all the time, sometimes Mm -hmm. even more like they'll come up for 10 days up to the, our cabin with us. And so um, it's just a matter of knowing your child. And that's another thing. Most people don't, you know, they spend so much time away from their kids. They, I remember when I started my mentor saying, okay, I don't want you to do any curriculum for the first six months. I just want you to figure out what kind of learners your children are. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? What kind of learners they are? Don't they just learn? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're, they're two and a half years apart. I mean, they just get on the bus and they learn stuff. Like it's just funny looking back. Right. But No, no, they're not. They, they learn completely different. And I'm not talking about just what their interests are, because you usually typically know what their interests are, right? Um, But giving them the time and the space to do absolutely nothing, giving them yourself the time and the space. It's a really important process of unschooling is for the parent and the children. They say it takes a month for every year your child's been in school. It takes about six months to a year to really deprogram from the system and actually have some confidence in what you're doing. And then you mean, now I've hit the road running, like there's no going back. Right. But -hmm. for those who are worried about, you know, listen, we have to do it's our primary job as a parent to keep our children safe. Mm -hmm. And what's going on right now, the schools are on fire. Like they are, and I'm not going to have my kids sit in there while I wait for them to get their shizzle together and figure out how to put those fires out. No, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm, and, and now, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I can't believe I used to give the best hours of the day away to somebody else Yeah. to raise them and watch them and teach them. And, you know, and, and, and parents just like everybody else in this um, delusional world, you know, they people don't necessarily want to look. They don't really want to look at the curriculum. They don't really want to see what's going on because it would mean a disruption in their own life. Mm -hmm. Did I have to change my life upside down? I absolutely did. I work with, I work with unschooling families that work and the moms work all the time. I have single moms. This isn't something that you can't do. That's an excuse. You absolutely can do it. And if I told you that next week, a school shooter was going to come and shoot up the school, you would pull them out. And, and I said they were going to come every other month. You would pull them out and you would find a way. You wouldn't be sitting there saying, well, no, I can't. and, and, and But you just don't see the threat yet. You don't see it for what it is. And that's fine. Everyone's going to have their own time to awaken to what's going on. But I feel that as an unschooling advocate, that I'm just showing one way to do it. And I want to be there for people who are, you know, crossing that bridge like I was and help them with that, because it can be it can be pretty daunting. And I don't want people like pulling their kids out and then be beating them at home because they don't know how they don't know how to live with them. Right. They haven't. They, You know, they've had this seven hours off every day, five days a week, and then they've got them in all of these things. It's, it's a big paradigm shift to go from the authoritative paradigm to the partner, the, the partnership paradigm, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, so much of this work is about um, us as the parents working on ourselves and our hidden beliefs and questioning all the things that, cause we we're trained how to train our kids. Most people don't know that they think that their ideas come from their head and they do what they were, you know, no, we've been trained based on society, on how we ought to train our children.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We have been taught myths like do as I say, not as I do. Don't question me because I said so. Um, kids should be seen and not heard. There's there's deep seated um, beliefs that make up the authoritative paradigm. And so a lot of this work is you have to go in with an open mind and thinking, everything I've been taught might be a lie
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and there's a possibility that there there is a way better way for me to coexist with my children and that they can still learn and get a great education at the same time. So it's huge. It's a huge leap. So that's why I encourage people to have a coach or get into a community because there's people doing this all over the place, all around the world. It's amazing. It really is um, going back to how nature intended, how God intended. I believe And, um, you know, it's the, the way of the future it's the schools, the schools of the new earth.
0: I mean, I, I can see the need for a a shift just with my own parenting when like I was working from home and they were doing school and then they weren't listening or they were making a big mess. And I found myself getting more and more authoritarian and I have a teenager now. So we're in this power struggle right now where she becomes more authoritarian. So I become more authoritarian and we kind of go back and forth. It doesn't really work very well. Mm -hmm. I've I've tried. I've tried. Just do as I say. Mm
2: -hmm. Doesn't
0: really work. Um, I'm definitely interested in this uh, like co-creative relationship that you're talking
1: about. Well, yeah, because, um, you know, what I love about this lifestyle is that when you're meeting your child's needs and everyone's needs in the family equally, there's no need for rebellion. There's no need for what we were taught was just normal teenage rebellion at that certain stage. There is no stage like that with unschooling families, people who unschool successfully because the lifestyle is that when your needs are met, there's nothing to rebel against. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, um, again, a huge leap from the paradigm of which we've been brought up and raised and especially in conventional schooling we they're taught all the time, what to do, what to think, how long they have to do it, what they should be, you know, and we have been taught the same thing, but the thing that you're trying to control, whatever that is, could be food, could be technology, could be the phone, could be what, whatnot. When we try to control something, we actually develop a relationship, an unhealthy relationship with the very thing that we're trying to control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In this lifestyle, we want our children to experiment and discern for themselves and develop their own inner and moral compass on how much is too much and how much is too little. Because you want that to, to, you don't, you want them to question you. You want them to find out for themselves. We take offense in the authoritative paradigm when our kids question us, I've done it too, but this is what we want because we're raising free thinkers. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to rely on what we say. We want them to go see it for themselves, but that terrifies us as parents. Right. And so we want to, that's when we hold back out of fear, we want to control because we're worried, Mm -hmm. but it's a real, this lifestyle is really trusting that your child is a little soul, just like we are all have soul and has a path and a purpose and has come down to, um, unravel and unfold what that is and a deep respect for their interests. And so a lot of that is us letting go of what we think they ought to be doing, what they ought to know, what they ought to be focusing on, what they ought to be eating. And I'm not saying just like, whoa, you know, whatever chips and ice cream all day. They're but part of the
0: conversation is what you're saying. It's not your way or the highway. They, they get a say. They're, they're involved in this process.
1: A, bi- a big say, like bigger than you're probably comfortable with. Like mm-hmm. a say as in, I need to question why I always say no about a lot of things. Like there's lots of times where they'll ask for something, like at the beginning, let's say, and I would just say no. And then it was like, well, why am I saying no? You know, my, my mentor started to coach me on, ask yourself, you know, why, why are you saying no? What are you saying no about right now? You know, when you're doing this and you're having the headbutt, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. what, where's the fear? What are you saying no to? Right. So um, yeah, it's a bit more than even them. It's just, it's just respecting their, their space, their thought, their ability to develop their mind, their interests. You know Um, my one little guy just only eats carrots. That's, that's all he'll eat. He won't have apples. He had apples for one year and now he just has carrots and, you know, like (laughs) they can tell when you're trying to manipulate them too, right? Like, well, why don't you try this? You know, all we can really do is educate our kids on our own experience and then, and, and find resources to show them both sides. Like, what does it mean to be a critical thinker? It means, um, informed consent, right? Mm -hmm. Getting informed consent means getting the whole story, all the sides, Right. So we can practice that with our own kids about anything. And when we're fearful about something, we automatically go to control, right? Mm-hmm. But we have to work on that within ourselves as parents, because we, we need them to learn how to navigate this world and not be tricked by it and have the eyes to discern. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that if we're always thinking we know best. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you, because
0: this is a big battle in our house. How do you get your boys to help out around the house?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, so I don't really, um, and I'm not saying I do everything, um, but that struggle is not an issue for me. I enjoy caregiving right now for my boys. Like I, I don't need them to help with the dishes right now. If I ask them to do something or they have Guinea pigs, they have bearded dragons, that's their responsibility, but you know, they're still little, they can't you know, even just physically, like pick up the cage and do the things, you know, so we'll do it together. But That was a huge one for me. And I can tell you that I shifted into that with needing some coaching with my own mentor, because I too felt like I needed this big chore list and it had to be that Mm -hmm. that's not how we operate anymore. If they have the desire and they want to have money and they want to, they have an intrinsic motivation, which they do. Then I give them all sorts of opportunities that they can help around the house to do that. And that instills in them this intrinsic motivation. So right now they're saving up for something. They want to start a lemonade business out for, before summer starts. And, you know um, they'll ask me if they want a certain game, like, what can I do? So, you know, Rex went and swept the garage, but typically I don't, I don't enforce anything anymore at that level. I just don't. Mm -hmm. And it's taken away the power struggle. Now it, it doesn't mean it's really my responsibility like and, I, and it doesn't mean that I'm not teaching them to, they're not disrespectful. They're not um, sitting around and dropping their plates and I'm picking up after them. It's not, it's not like that. If I really ask them or I need help, they see me with groceries, they come and they grab it, they come in. But I started to let go of my need to have it so organized. And it, if I, if I do this, then I'm being a good parent because I'm instilling these values and this is how it works and you need to do this. They're going to get to that space. As you get older, you take on more responsibility, you know, and I'm lucky that my mentor has children who are now in their twenties and I get to talk with them and I see what kind of people and human beings they've become. And I realize, oh, you know, like Devin, he's 23, my mentor's son. And he says, Tasha, he was helping me with struggling with technology at the beginning. And he was saying, it takes 13 to 14 hours to create something significant in Minecraft. Are you aware of that? And I was like, no, I'm not because I used to use like the screens and the iPad as like a tool and means of control, right? Like you get to use it when you're done doing this, 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 right? And so when I let go of all of that and we develop trust again in what they want to do and what I'm doing um, and I realized how long it takes to create something, I had a newfound respect for it. And so he said to me, "I used to play for days and days, sometimes at the time. I, he had complete freedom to do what he wanted. He goes, now he's 23. I'm married. I'm I, I I work as an apprentice. I'm being an apprentice for an electrician, and I work at a hardware store. He goes, I don't have time to game and play like I did. Do I enjoy it once in a while? Sure. He goes, and you know, and he he'll, he'll talk about too, and and the daughters will talk about." how their friends would run away from home and come stay with Dana and her kids, right? Mm-hmm. And that they they didn't feel that need at all, because their needs were being met with whatever it is they wanted to do. So it just, yeah, it's a real mm-hmm. shift. So People might not be ready to hear that, but that's kind of how this lifestyle works. And and we work on those things when we meet in community, those tough, messy things, and we get different perspectives. And it's it's progression, not perfection. You know, you don't hear what I'm saying and say, oh, I need to do that now. You have to do what you're comfortable with, right? And then, but challenge yourself. Do I need them to mop the floors and do the things and and they don't want to do it? And it's going to be a fight. Like, is that what really, like, what, what are you losing by that? We get them for such a small amount of time. They're going to have their whole life to clean and clean. And they're going to, you know what I mean? Like what, what damage are you doing? What is the cost of forcing and imposing our wills on our kids in those moments over and over and over again? So Mm. it's just, it's, it's challenging and questioning and moving deep into that space of that authoritative paradigm and asking yourself, is there another way? Is there a more peaceful way?
0: Is there a way for parents to like dip their toes in the water or do they have to go all in, you know, pull the kids out of school. Like we're going to just completely shift how we do things. Or can we start with just The parenting aspect like just the parenting things you're talking about are completely different than the way many people parent can they dip their toe in the water there or maybe start like substituting some some pieces of education now knowing that they don't actually learn all that much in school during the day Um, is there a way to dip in or do they got to go all in
1: no no absolutely like this is a like a progression. It's, it's an evolution, right. Of consciousness. So absolutely. You can start at home by, like I just said, questioning your authoritative regime that you've got going on maybe and start (laughs) questioning yourself. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that unschool um, just on the education side, but then they have rules in their home. And then there's people that unschool radical unschoolers. They're people that Their kids go to bed when they want They eat what they want. They do what they want. And it's not neglect. There's there's a big misconception there. You actually have to be more of a present parent to live this lifestyle. Like you have to really be engaged. And when your child's ready to learn, you might want to do an experiment at nine o'clock at night, you know, and you're not like, no, we have to go to bed. You're, you're there when they're ready and they're ready to take flight on different passions and interests. Um, and you're there to facilitate that. But Also, I was going to say um, that as an unschooling parent, if your child, like you said, your 13-year-old would fight you on coming home, you don't want to fight them at all. That's the point of, of this philosophy. So you are an unschooling parent. If you say to your kids, if you don't want to be there at any time, you can come home. If you don't want to go to school and you want to be homeschooled or you want to do unschooling and you want to come back home, you can come home at any time. And you know what? We don't really we don't really believe in grades. Like we, you know, that's great. Do your best, whatever you're learning, but we know that that's not the way that we really evaluate a person's worth. So right there, you're already practicing unschooling because it's a very different experience to go to school, knowing that you can leave at any time than knowing that you can't Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. That's huge in itself. So if you have a child, that's not sure just giving them that power giving them that power to know that they don't have to be there if they don't want, that's the goal. So we're seeing a
0: a little bit of that in schools, like when they stopped, uh, they kind of do grades a little differently. You can't really fail at school ever. Everyone kind of graduates. So I, I do see that in school. And then I also see so many teenagers like suffering, you know, de- depression, addicted to devices, not having any motivation. Is it something the school's doing wrong in that, in
1: that case? What, what are your oh, thoughts? on A hundred percent, a hundred percent. When your kid's super excited in kindergarten grade one to go to school, so excited to learn because that's human nature, the desire to learn. And you fast forward 10 years and they're despondent, addicted, Uninterested, don't want to go—all of that stuff. That's all by design, and that's where when you start reading some of these books and the research about the the goal of these families was to produce obedient, compliant, order takers of the industrial revolution. It wasn't to create creators and artists and people that were connected and like thriving. So it makes sense. So is it something the school is doing? A hundred percent. Um, when you talk about um what you just said about um what were you saying right before about the kids
0: so the uh, about like no grades oh, or no example. grades for just Grade, right
1: you can't yeah. fail so you can't I, fail so that's yeah. by design as well so what that's doing is it's taking away the the initiatory right of passage from child to adult so when you think about it like in old tribes what they do um, in certain tribes of the world is they take the male at 13 and, you know, back in the Spartan days, let's say they, the male, the male, the boy at 13 would have to go outside the walls of the, of the community for a night and survive. And then he would come back and he didn't have his mom there to do all the things. Certain tribes still to this day have rituals that they do. And they put ants in, um, gloves and they make the boys dance and they have to go through certain passages. So, in our society in North America, if you lose and you come in sixth place um, in a race, that could trigger that initiatory response, that that movement that, especially with men, but women too, where you didn't get the goal and you are going you are determined that next time you will. That, initiatory process is part of moving from the, the childlike phase into an adult that takes self-responsibility, that takes responsibility for themselves, that takes life by the balls, so to speak, and goes and gets what they want. That's what they're trying to squash. Mm. And, you, and people might say, oh, that's so not true. They just wanted to. No, go do your research. Go look back and see who's ruling and running the show. And you will see it. You will find it when you take a bird's eye view of what's going on. you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if they can keep children, adolescents from coming of age and coming into their own power in that way and going after what they want, they can maintain the victimhood, all of the division, the 150 pronouns, they've got everybody something, they can create that leftist woke ideology to create that dependent. So what what do they do? What, do? what do they do? They turn to the government, people are easier to control, the masses are easier to control. You cannot herd lions, you can only herd lambs. So mm-hmm. That That is it. That's the process. I think I see the difference. So in, in
0: schools too, they may have like removes the grades, but then also there's not the opportunity for them to excel and really learn about the thing that they really, really want to. Whereas at home, they have like a lot of fluid freedom, but all of a sudden they get that instinctual hook. I want to learn how to cook. I want to learn how to build. I am really good at math. And then that's when you run with it.
1: And let them really excel at the thing. Yes, absolutely. And like, if they're into Minecraft, people say, well, my kid just likes gaming. He just game all the time. Well, have you played with them? Do you know the benefits of gaming? Or do you only know the negative effects of gaming? Do you know what they're learning? Do you know that the spatial and the coordinate things that you have to build in Minecraft? Do you know that my kids learned, my little one learned how to read by and type by talking to his friends? Like, so there's just a whole world. And if you think about how school was, it's a very passive process it you're you're basically told from day 1 that your boundaries don't matter that your interests don't matter that your passions don't matter when you ask a child if they are genuinely interested in learning something and they say no and you don't respect that you're speaking to their soul and you're telling them that they can't trust themselves and you're mm-hmm. telling them that you don't trust them either it's it's a huge it's a huge shift And you have to have a deep respect for where your kids are coming from and what they want to do and what they want to learn. And absolutely in this lifestyle, they have the absolute freedom to go down any tangent. I mean, think about how you learn. When I started reading about all of this and got into like the world economic forum and event 201 and the W like all of the things Mm -hmm. you couldn't stop me. I'd be up late at night. I'd be researching. I'm looking at stuff. If you had to try, if you tried, if you said that's enough screen time, Tasha, hugely disrespectful. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm out of that phase. Now I -hmm. kind of have done that. And now I'm on to building the new world and and using it for good, but it was a year and a half, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, you couldn't stop me. You couldn't stop me. So then I took a break for a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. for a couple months and didn't look, I didn't read a book for, you know, so it's remembering that about ourselves and how we learn. And if you think about school, you know you might remember a couple of teachers that you liked, that you connected with, that they saw you for who you were, inspired you, maybe a couple. You'll remember maybe a couple projects that you were really engaged with and you remember that one report that you did and you were so happy you got the grade and you remember your friends. But other than that, what do you remember? Mm-hmm. A lot of boredom. Because you learn I to never... regurgitate, right? I remember being
0: forced to take calculus and thinking, I'm never going to need this. And I was and definitely never did. Right. Never. <laughs> <He> never <laughs>
1: did. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Same here. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, and even when you get into the dark agenda behind public schooling and you really start researching this stuff, you actually see that even the math, the way they have math now and some of the subjects, they do it to, there, there is a part that to split the family so that you're no longer the. The person they can go to right the parent right that starts very young like mm-hmm. they they've conditioned us to think that and and they make up these subjects that you're not going to use like why 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 do we do that why do we do that why do we have to split they know studies show that when you take a human brain and you divide their learning like this up into five subjects a day that's not how humans learn best mm-hmm. they actually learn best and absorb information when they're passionate about something and you let them go as long as they want so let's say in school regular school this kid really loves the science of a certain aspect right he should be able to do that for five six weeks as many weeks months that he wants Mm -hmm. and not have to go no you need to do social studies right now we 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 stop what you're doing right now we need we, we need to do english get to your english book like think about it like that So when they talk about these studies and that the people that implemented this stuff know this, they know that the sound of a bell creates this obedient, compliant, like nature. They know the hypnotic rhythm that happens in school. They are doing this. They are creating creating the next generation of slaves. Mm. That's the intention of public schooling, folks. Sorry to break it to you.
0: I feel like we could do a full part two just Uh, on the history, on on the history and and who's behind this. And I know a lot of parents might be listening and thinking of like the school teachers that they know. And again, like yeah, Miss Mrs. Applebaum, she would she would never do something like this. But just like everyone that went along with these nonsensical health rules, everyone they're just going along with it. People don't have time like practically. People are busy, Mm -hmm. they're, they're busy and they don't have time to go into these dark rabbit holes Mm -hmm. or a desire to that. That's a big big component,
1: Ashley. It's, it's too scary. I don't, I don't even want to look. I don't want to look. I don't want to look because I might have to do something about it. I might have to completely, my whole entire reality might shatter the way that I knew it. And it is very painful. And I do have compassion for people and their process because I know for me, it was very painful. To wake up and realize that, wait a minute, my government and health ministries don't have my best interest. Wait a minute. This whole thing that I've grown, grown up is profits off my worst life, that it's a race to the bottom, mm-hmm. that my TV is, 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 um, you know, uh, a mind control weapon that, that the people on the news are bought and paid for. It? I mean, it's, it's difficult. I get it, but this is where we're at in this life. And it is a kind of exciting too, because, um, you know, as a human collective we're we're evolving you know we're we're moving into a new higher state of consciousness and mm. you know, and it's exciting too. well, I really appreciate you coming on the show
0: because it, it's my opinion that it's it's just not an option to check out it's It's not an option that being personally responsible is the only way out, whether you are someone that doesn't want to pay attention things everything is fine with the world or whether you're very very conscious and understand everything that's been going on the last two years there's still a lot of people checking out in in the to-dos and i think we need to get started whether it's in schooling you know there's a lot of us growing gardens and learning about food preservation or how to be a more traditional family living simply how to preserve money like there's so many things you can do right now and you don't have to go all in. You, d- you don't have to completely change your life yet, but you do need to pay attention and start taking those steps back. And personally, it's actually the only way we feel good about the world right now, too, mm-hmm. is taking our power back mm-hmm. in whatever little way you can.
1: 100%.
0: Yep. If people want to learn more about um, unschooling or the specific work that you do, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, on my website, Tashafishman.com, they can go there. Um, I'm starting parenting coaching classes, July 11th on Monday nights, um, uh, 7 PM mountain standard time. So that's an opportunity for people to come in and be inside of a community and we talk about all the the good, the bad, the messiness of unschooling and what people are going through and different topics and struggles and challenges. It's always nice to be in a community of people. And then I also provide one-on-one coaching for families who need that and need to be, um, need some help a little bit more thorough and just, you know, research, start looking at um, different books on unschooling. Um, Judy Arnell in Canada is uh, wrote a book called um, unschooling to university. That's a great way to start. Get involved in a Facebook group, um, uh, you know, and find people, you know, in your area that are doing it. I mean, it's 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 almost I wouldn't say common now, but it's been a huge shift from, you know, conventional to the last two years, people pulling them their kids out and starting pods and homeschooling collectives. So, um, you can do that, but if, if the idea and the lifestyle of unschooling appeals to you and you feel something stirring in your soul, um, yeah, just start there's podcasts on unschooling. It's, it's, um, it's a ride, but you will shift and change your entire life, but it's worth it. I think today I'm, I'm starting just with that very
0: simple point with like my older daughter, you don't have to be there. You could be at home with me if you want at mm-hmm. any time. I love just like that bridge. Yeah.
1: Well, and to where, you know, my, my mentor, when she first had her first child, she was in the hospital and the Columbine shootings hit, happened, and they were showing it live on TV and she, she wasn't unschooled herself. She came from a very authoritative Home and she didn't even think about it, but she was holding her baby in her arms and she was watching the Columbine shooting. And she thought to herself, how many parents would have wished that they could have kept their kids home from school that day? Mm -hmm. Like, how many parents actually knew that they had a choice? Like, so much, like, just for an example about vaccines, I didn't vaccinate my children. And I did the research. I worked for 10 years as an outreach worker with families who had children with disabilities. I met lots of families who thought that their children were vaccine injured. And I didn't think about it a lot until I was in my 30s when I got pregnant at 31. And then I started doing research. So, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, people thought that vaccines are mandatory. I, I, people still think that they're mandatory for school. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's how much we don't know about our own sovereignty and inalienable rights. I knew that they weren't mandatory in Canada because I did my research because my kids went to school and I wasn't going to vaccinate them. And I was very strong in that stance, quietly strong, Mm -hmm. stayed under the radar mostly, but it's the same with school. I didn't know unschooling was even legal. Can I actually do this? Is this a thing? You know, like that's, we just do what we're told to do since birth and we just do what other humans are doing. That's being a human. That's what we're breaking away from. That's what we're waking up to. Right. And we all got a great window
0: into what it looks like to be at school. When we all had our, like in Ontario, I had my kids home for like a year. We were the longest held down province. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what, what do you mean you don't know this like basic math concept? What do you mean you don't know current, like I was amazed at the stage at their educational career, the things that they did not know that I thought were essential things taught in school.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The fact that, yeah, we could do it in at home in a half an hour a day. Why are you there all day?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's glorified daycare, but on, on a systems level, It's like you said, the, the, the trick comes in when people say, well, there's lots of divorced parents now. And so people need free daycare. And so that's why we're starting junior kindergarten and we're going to start junior preschool. And then let's have subsidized daycare. It's all, if you, the bird's eye view, who's running the show, all the systems at play. Oh, this is what they want. This is what they want. They want the kids younger and younger and younger. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want to change the ideology. The fourth industrial complex, Klaus Schwab talks about, you know, what do you think? You think these kids won't be in the metaverse by kindergarten? Mm -hmm. Like, where where do we think this is going? We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, you know, it's what's happening in our schools. It's happening on a macro level with our governments, abusive, authoritative paradigms, um, relationships. And yeah, that's what we're up against, but that's what we're breaking from. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's good news in all of it too.
0: It makes makes sense. They don't want to raise strong
1: people that would argue with the system. Mm -hmm. No, they want to raise dependent people dependent on them and their, you know, central banking and their, their social credit system. And if we give up the fight right now for bodily sovereignty, it's game over for our children. Mm -hmm. They'll be vaccinated from. Yin to yang and every which way and every three months in the schools plug them in, just manufactured, just like cattle. This is a human farm that we've been living in and we're waking up to and um trying to break out from. So will you do a part two? Will you consider it?
0: Yeah, because there's
1: (laughs) well, there's lots to get into about uh the dark agenda of public schooling and where it started for sure. Yeah, yeah. People yeah, There's like a great it. book called Dumbing Us Down, another one that people should take a look at. And like I said, Weapons of Mass Instruction, it'll blow your mind. And especially if you're awake and aware to what's been going on with the pandemic, you'll see <laughs> some of the, the same names, the same, mm-hmm. the same ruling elite families that um, keep transferring their wealth over generation after generation. And they know a lot more than we do about what's going on and what they use to rule us. So it's fascinating. Part
0: two, we'll go Part deep two. down yeah. into the hole. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, definitely sparked my my curiosity. I'm starting with that conversation tonight. Um, awesome. I'm probably going to be at that parenting course.
1: I love it. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Look forward yeah. to it. I mean, you're, you're going to shift your entire relationship right there, just with that conversation. Like how, how awesome is that? And to be that authentic with your daughter and, and give her that power now she can go and yeah, she'll have a totally different new lens and perception
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a bond with you that you're actually giving her that kind of freedom. And so now it doesn't become a power struggle anymore. You just shifted it. You mm-hmm. just took the power struggle right out of it. Right i
0: love it mm-hmm. thank you for all of this i'm I'm really taking a lot of this to heart and uh yeah ho- hopefully we can have you on soon part two yeah. sounds <laughs> good thank
1: you thanks carla thank you.
0: hey guys i hope you enjoyed today's episode this episode has been brought to you by the sovereign i don't know if you've noticed the world's a little different and this going back to normal It's just not happening. And this might be the best thing that's ever happened to you because the world needed to change in a lot of ways. The Sovereign is a wellness membership to move us forward in a world gone wild. We include mental health practices to keep you grounded, physical practices like yoga, weight training to make yourself incredibly healthy. But that's not what makes us unique. The Sovereign is an inspirational online community that hosts workshops that will inspire creativity and motivation, including business, financial preservation, freedom systems, nutrition, homesteading, and more. Get on the waiting list now and save 50% off your membership for life. It's only here for a limited time only. We open August 1st. You can see the show notes or go to CarlaJoyTreadway.com. Do you have joint pain and inflammation? As someone that uses their body for work, I have experienced chronic pain and old injuries. Glow Liquid Collagen is the only type 1 liquid collagen on the market with high-impact nutraceuticals like Biotin guaranteed to help your body, hair, and joints. You can shop at Trenaut.com slash Treadway. And I highly recommend taking the full dose. It's going to change your life. And last but not least, if you have been having that daily glass of wine or maybe those exercise habits have slipped and you're starting to feel a little slow, a little sluggish, maybe your gut health isn't ideal, I highly recommend any products from Purium. Try the 30-day ultimate lifestyle transformation to reset your gut, lose weight, and detox glyphosate from the body. If you don't know what glyphosate is, give it a Google. You want the stuff out of you. Live vibrant and free and save 25% using code JOY25. See the show notes for the link to shop. And as always, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for uh, participating in these conversations with me. The world is changing and I really want you guys to feel empowered and in the know so that we can make solutions and have these conversations that matter, moving us all forward together. We'll see you guys next time.